This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. We are still live on site down in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky with uh, Salt River and, and then hunting our farm down here, Bootleggers Ridge and, and so forth for the uh, archery opener, which is always the first Saturday in uh, September. This year it was the second and I am sitting here with my dad Earl and my nephew Alec and the reason I'm doing that is because they were both successful yesterday. I was not i had some swirling winds that caused an issue but i figured we sit down with these guys and hear their story of their hunt from last night and some of the other times that they've they've hunted in kentucky so obviously you guys are doing okay this morning doing great it was a late night last night but uh doing great this morning yeah now both of these guys are light talkers so we're gonna have to encourage (laughs) encourage the stories a little bit here so who shot who actually shot first alec or or dad alec shot first no Dad did. Dad shot yeah, first. That, yeah, means yeah, you gotta, I, that means you got to tell the tell the story, tell the story first. So dad was dad was in the stand. Uh, Jack was filming them. So we got this. This will be part of uh, the Journey Within TV show that we do out of here, and we'll get a digital episode and so forth. But explain the explain the stand setup. Um, just explain. Just sure. break it down from the beginning. Um, leaving the main area, we we drove on the Polaris O for fifteen minutes on a two track to get back to the area, uh, large white oaks. And it was one of the, I guess I could say one of the best, uh, places to have a stand that I've ever been in because the oak that we were leaning against, uh, close to three foot in diameter. Okay. So it was a giant oak. Uh, we had oaks alongside of us, uh, good covering, so even though it was in the mid nineties yesterday, most of the time, mm-hmm. most of the time, ninety percent of the time, we did not have any sun on us. Okay. So that made it made it fantastic. Um, having seen trail cam photos of the area, there were a lot of really nice bucks, and uh, so we arrived and we're in position by about four thirty, um, and uh, just kind of waiting. Um, first deer that came out was a doe and uh, obviously she'd been in the area and uh, knew exactly that she was looking for some buck bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) So I think she might've been there 
I don't, off and on. When I say on, she'd, she'd be there for a half hour at a time or 40 minutes at a time and then maybe take five minutes of walk mm-hmm. to go out for a walk and then come back. But she spent most of the time that we were there until the shot uh, coming in and out. Um, we did have some swirling winds. Um, the part that I found quite interesting is, George had mentioned, yes, the deer can come from any any direction. Mm-hmm. That is actually true. They, mm-hmm. they came from every direction. Uh, and uh, with the, the way our stand was, we had a fantastic, I guess you could say, peephole view out to where they probably were going to stand. Uh, we could see other areas, but we couldn't see them real well. So uh, the doe was there for quite a while. Eventually there was, uh, you know, I guess it's, I, I don't know, it's, it, it wasn't what I'd normally think of as spike because it, it had horn on each side, but it was a large circular. Okay. And so it, it's undoubtedly going to be a big buck um, in the future. Uh, he came in and uh, he and the doe had known each other. Um, and so he was uh, having a bite to eat too. She didn't really like him there. And so she walked up behind him, put her one leg up on his butt and give him a little smack. He then decided, no, nah, she, she was the primary eater. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, so this went on until we hadn't seen any shooter deer or any larger bucks until about an hour before w- w- nightfall. Uh, then we had, uh, different bucks come in. We had a nice eight point younger buck. We had a nice 10 point younger buck. Uh, they were in, they were eating and no, no one was really paying attention to where we were sitting. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, Jack gave me the nudge cause he could see he was setting up a little higher than I was. And he gave me the nudge and said, uh, that one comes shoot it. Mm-hmm. And so I could, all I could see was the top part of the, of the antlers. Um, and that deer stood out there and maybe moved a foot or two in about the next 20, 25 minutes. It was, it was suspicious that there something wasn't quite right. Uh-huh. Um, we think our wind was good. Uh, we don't think that was it. Uh, anyway, it was very suspicious. And of course we were sitting there all waiting for it. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but Jack knew it. There was an eight point up on the hill who had us in clear sight. Okay. And he was very nervous. Was that where your wind was going? That's where our wind was going. And so he, so I think the buck that we were targeting, I think was aware that something bothered the other deer. Uh And so I don't know. I think maybe it was 15 minutes, 20 minutes. He just kept moving slow forward. I mean, it was like a step every five minutes. Uh, So we're sitting there just just waiting to eventually get that shot, hoping for that uh, uh, broadside shot. Uh, He eventually got where he was facing me head on. And if you remember two years ago, I did take that head on shot and got a really nice deer. Yes. So so dad's using a a mission point crossbow. so he's uh, obviously pretty dialed in with that. Yeah, and uh, but I decided I didn't really want to take that shot because it worked out really well last time. But I <laughs> I would prefer taking a, a more traditional shot. Yep. Um, 
And so he, he, he was now in sight standing or I could see the entire deer and he was, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to say 30 yards. Um, then he continued just to kind of look around. He was really nervous about something. I, you know, my, my hearing isn't quite as good as Jack's and Jack told me later that the eight point up on the hill, uh, did a couple stops uh-huh. and, uh, raised this this one you could almost see pick his head up and he did a quick turn i took the shot um because i knew that was the only shot i was going to get at him and uh hit him hit him uh what at the time seemed pretty good maybe a couple inches back because he was spinning as i as i took the shot uh we sat in the tree and then we heard about 200 yards away 200 feet away this awful crash mm-hmm. and we figured okay he's down we, we've got him so at that point we uh, kind of relaxed got everything out of the trees and just decided to wait um, after I want to say 30 minutes or so we decided well we'll just stick our head around the corner and see if we can see anything and down there about 200 feet he was there mm-hmm but his head was up. So at which point we said, okay, we need to back. No, he didn't say us. He uh, need, we need to back and just wait for time because yep, yep. Uh, we, we know he's, he's, he's going to be, we're going to find him, but we don't want to push him. Yep. How long did you wait to go after him? From that point? Uh, no, from the first time you were in the tree to, to go. Mm, at least 30 minutes. Okay. But we didn't go really go after him. All we did is want to look around the yep. corner because, and that's all we did is look around the corner and uh and we saw him down there and we just said oh there's there's no way so we then walked back and uh wanted to uh, wait for guys for for after dark um and then so we moved out where no deer well it wasn't a normal thing we went through the the tall grass was was over my head yeah (laughs) so we got back out and decided we'd there's a bank's blind up there and we decided to wait by the blind uh-huh. uh and i think at this point i'd already received the text from alex said i shot shot a deer and it's it's a nice deer mm-hmm. and he's and he says i'm waiting in the stand till somebody comes so yep. i think maybe we ought to transfer it over to alec at this point and then i'll finish up because mine was actually the end of the okay the recovery right. well, I'll, I'll kick in here real quick so i my it was uneventful so we were sitting on two big two big deer while all this was going on and i had my phone on do not disturb I was sitting there so it wouldn't vibrate through. So I had a doe and two fawns pinned me for about the last 45 minutes. But we had some swirling wind that had some some does snorting at us and so forth. So it was not a not a real great sit for where I was where I was at. And we're going to finish this podcast, and kind of regroup where we're going to sit sit today. But then once once uh, once it finally got dark and I checked my phone is when I got the messages that Dad had shot and then then Alec had actually passed. On a deer that I did, if and it turned out to be the same deer you shot later, right? So why don't yes. we kick in there? How did how did that work? So he came out about six forty-five, and I said I texted George and asked him if this was a shooter because I had no idea. It didn't look as big as I thought it did the second time it came out. So he's like, "Yeah, it is a shooter, but it's up to you on what you want to do." So I uh, said to him, "If I get a clean shot, I'll take it." and 15 minutes later, a turkey started to putt in the distance, and he just ran right off. So 
And then a few, about 30 minutes later, a few does came in and uh, all of a sudden I just see this big rack deer come back in. I said, that's the same one. So I texted George again and said, he came back in. If he stands still, I'm going to shoot him. And he was eating for probably 45 minutes. And finally a deer came from my right and he stood up, walked over and I uh, put a nice shot on him. How far what was the shot? About 25 yards. Okay. So, And uh, so obviously this, we'll, we'll find out how big this deer was, but he was in full velvet. Full velvet. Full velvet. And this was one that actually um, the farm that Alec and Dad were hunting on, we leased a couple of farms next to it too. And we had uh, Wade Middleton was set up and hunting this deer and, and had him on camera basically the last month up until – well, the day before, they had him on Friday morning and didn't have him Friday night and then didn't have him Saturday, obviously. So he had moved, and it was probably about a half half mile to a mile away. And this time this time of year, deer in Kentucky, they're pretty – I mean, the ranges are pretty tight unless they get bumped, but there's so many things, right? A coyote can move a deer, a person moving, a cow, a farmer going through. There's so many things that could bump that deer just, just a little bit. Um, well, you made a good shot. Right, first deer with a compound. That was my first deer with a compound. So. And you've taken you've taken a crossbow deer before. Yeah, I took right? a crossbow deer in 2018 in Michigan. Okay, how many in how many times have you hunted in Kentucky? I believe four now. Four now, and you've been successful each time. Every time. Every time. Well, somebody must like you. They put you in the right stand every time. <laughs> we have to change that going forward. Kid never had any hard any hard work. So you sat you sat in the stand till. Um, George came until George which, came, yeah. Which is anybody that's listening, that's the for getting dropped off and have somebody come. That's the the correct move of just waiting, right? There's nothing nothing but times your friend if you if you sit there and especially where Alec was sitting, it was going to be a walkout that there was a good chance he was going to bump something. So sitting there waiting until the UTV came was was the correct correct move. Um, yeah, well, let's just go into your recovery, Alec. How did it? So we went back and we uh, George came and we found the arrow about where I shot it at and he's like yeah he's dead about 100 yards that way Mm -hmm. so we went back to the house picked up some stuff and headed back out grabbed the truck and uh we looked for the blood and we couldn't really find it until we went over to the right a little bit more and about 110 yards he ran and he was dead in the middle of the two track all right now, first of all, anybody that's listening and hasn't seen a picture of Alec, he's a, a grown man. He's actually 17, but he's 6'5", and is, I was shocked yesterday as we were target shooting out in the uh, the yard here, and he's got a 33-inch arrow, which is a spear that he's throwing at things out, outside of his bow, so he's got a heck of a heck of a draw length. So what do you think when you saw the deer on the ground? He was a lot bigger than I thought he was in the tree. He did so. not have any ground shrinkage. He did not have any ground shrinkage. He had ground no. growthage. Yes. Yeah, so what did he score? We, we were just, just leaving the taxidermist this morning. So at Salt River, every uh, morning after hunting this time of year, it's kind of a big event. All the hunters head over and, and kind of look at all the other deer and take pictures and get scores and so forth. So what did he score? He scored a 156. 156, full velvet, and he had a 6 and 7 eighths. Um, point coming right out of his uh, his uh, uh, bases on his left beam, which was pretty cool, kind of like a dagger dagger buck, but a heck of a first compound deer. Actually, is a heck of a deer for anybody, right? I'd never pass on that deer, so I, yeah. didn't, I don't know why you passed on him the first time, but <laughs> being 17 and not knowing any better. So, all right, now, Dad, back over to you. Well, actually, George picked us up, and we went over, and uh, Jack and I helped, or helped, we watched during, during Alex's recovery, uh-huh. and uh, so that was, you know, the time, time that happened and got it in the truck. Uh, then we went back over to our area, uh, 
Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You know, we went to the spot where we could see, couldn't see anything, went down, uh, found the blood trail. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, as the grass and weeds and whatever it is get taller, uh, all the blood was not on the ground. There, there was a, a couple spots where he had laid down, mm-hmm. but most of them, it, your, the blood was on the grasses where he's rubbing against it. Yep. Uh, pitch black, as you can imagine. Um, George says, "Well, let's let's go a while because uh, we'll we'll probably find him. He's going to be laying over there someplace." Uh, how it was, he went in and there's a a dry creek bed. Bed. He got in the dry creek bed. And we could follow the spots of blood there, and the but he went up to where there was a log, and then we couldn't figure out because the log had blocked the creek bed. All right. We couldn't figure out what he did until we realized that actually he had turned around, went back where we thought all that blood was him coming he didn't in that circle direction. Back. He circled back yeah. right, right, yeah. right back down the uh, the same creek bed, uh, and then there was a point as we were looking down there. Uh, George says, well, this is the logical place he would, he would get out of the creek bed. Cause it's not, it's not cause it, it the creek bed, steep. It, it was steep. It was over my head on uh-huh. the sides. And, uh, he said, this is the logical place. And so George says, well, I think we just do this for another 10, 15 minutes. If not, we're going to come back in the morning. Uh-huh. He said, but he might, might be here. So we're following George and, uh, he's spotting the blood. And as he said, I, I don't see any blood. Jack said. Well, that's because he's laying right over there. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, I don't really like that exciting of a recovery. No, No, I like the the easy recovery as well. I would would much prefer the easy recovery. Um, Yeah, he was scored uh, today at 145.5. Okay, 45 and a half. Yep. All right. And uh, and Dad's was hard horned. Yes, you know, he he lost his his velvet a couple of days ago. And um, this year, normally when it's an early opener, being the uh, obviously the first, second. This year was the second, third, fourth. You normally get the majority of deer that are still in velvet, but there was a little cold snap that came through last week, which kind of kicks their senses into hey, fall and winter's coming around the corner. So we've actually had quite a few deer that are out of velvet. Um, leaving where we just did all the trophy picks and so forth, it was actually about 60% of the deer that that were taken from Salt River clients this year were out of velvet compared to in velvet. Um, on camera, it's probably about that same. It's 60 to 70% of the deer that everybody's still out and chasing right now are um, out of velvet versus in velvet. So I've been, uh, as you know, Mark, hunting since I was 14. So mm-hmm. that's, that means actual years. There's only one in between then and now that, I've not deer hunted. There was a year you didn't deer hunt? Yeah. Why was that? I was in, uh, with, with your mom, we, we went on a study to uh, Europe in the fall. So that was the Uh, only year I'd not hunted deer in the fall. 
Yeah, so I've hunted over 60 years. Uh, now, in those 60 years, I've never had a shot at a buck in velvet. So still going, still, still going, still going. Uh, I mean, and how yeah. many? So you've hunted at least four velvets, right? If not five, yeah, you hunted five. And Dad took two years ago. So Dad took a mid 160 inch deer with with a drop tine. The third day of season? Third day of third season. Third day of season, and he was out of velvet, too. Now, it's a heck of a deer, so it really doesn't matter. Same right. thing as this one. It's a heck of a heck of a 10. There's there's a lot of deer for those listeners that, that look, and it'll be a 140s deer, but he just holds his mass all the way, um, and he was never going to be a super tall 10. He was always just going to be a short, stubby, heavy beam deer, which is just a great old deer to take. Um, but, yeah, I guess. And how many – so how many – do you remember how many trips you've been to, to Kentucky? Kentucky. Ooh. I'm going to say six or eight. Okay. You've taken two drop tine deer, actually. You Correct. took one over on Sarah's farm. Yeah. 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 So you've had, you've had great luck here and, and obviously special it, place to hunt. It's a special place. Um, people are fantastic. Yeah. Food's always good. Yeah, food's always good. Yeah, just have to be careful. Don't eat too much, but uh, food's good. Uh, people are great. Uh, the taxidermy work we get done here is, is, is good. Uh, pre-taxidermy for where we take stuff to the wildlife gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's a fantastic, great place, and it it's almost become a... It's almost a yearly tradition. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a tradition. Yeah. Yeah, that, that first Saturday in September is is a fantastic yeah. time. Now it does. Now it does for anybody listening. Obviously, it overlays Labor Day, so it's not always a favorite with the uh, family <laughs> on the on the backside. But it is what it is. Like you'll we'll go here and at the Salt River Lodge. Um, there's there's hunters there, but they've all been here. If you if you look at that crowd, there's only one or two new guys every year. The rest of them have generally been here six to eight to ten. To some have been here twelve yeah. years, and it's everybody knows each other this time of year. It's just a special special hunt. Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of demand for anybody that's listening and there's not a lot of openings. So if you're interested, you usually got to get in and hunt at Salt River on one of their other archery hunts and, and just kind of get your name in, in the list for when one of the, the first week hunts come open. Um, obviously you can check out more information on that at Salt River Worldwide Trophy Adventures, but it's just a, it's a special time of year. It's different. It's hot. You're going to sit in the stand, you're going to get in there between four and five, and it's going to be 90 to 100 degrees, and you're going to be sweating like crazy. But for the last hour to hour and 15 minutes, when it finally cools down and that sun goes down, you're going to see a lot of deer. And generally, they're going to be a lot of big deer. And, and there's something special about seeing a big deer in velvet like Alec was able to take yesterday. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this was a quick, this was a, a good quick one. I always like to, I mean, especially when we're in a spot like this, you can do a um, hunt recap and just kind of explain. We'll obviously have these ones on uh, my digital channels and then also on linear shows as well, moving, moving in the future, but we're pushing noon here. So quick recap. Now I've got to go change, get some pants on and, and go load up a little buck bourbon in my truck and, and go and check some cameras and try to figure out a game plan for tonight. And hopefully that, that swirling wind I had last night um, didn't affect the two deer, I'm, the two big deer I'm sitting on. But it's one of those things you're sitting in the stand and all of a sudden at 7.15 that wind starts swirling. And you're like, I've got an hour left. Um, and it was too late to get down because if I got down, obviously it would have took us 10, 15 minutes to get all the camera stuff down and out of the tree. So you're like, well, I'd have boogered anything that was coming in. So it was when you you ride out and, and – Unfortunately, had some older does. You can always tell which does are old, but some some does that probably need to be taken out of the out of the group, and they were uh, stomping and, and snorting on it. So not not 
good at all for where I was sitting. So I may have to may have to regroup tonight, but hopefully it'll be a podcast in the future about um, how the regroup worked and, and was successful. So great. Perfect. Thanks Thank guys. You. Thanks. Mark. You guys are here. Look a little tired from the late night recovery and probably hungry <laughs> for lunch. Let you guys get at it. Okay. Sounds yeah. fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.